Grain Thrive Podcast, episode 174. Growing your business via customer-led product development with Jacinta Taylor. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey there, Thriver Jess here. Welcome to the show for another week. And this week I'm talking to the lovely Jacinta Taylor from Laminated Cotton Shop. And one of the things that's really clear that came out uh, that's helped her business is customer-led product development. And what do I mean by that? I mean that you listen to your customers, you listen to what they're looking for, what they want, and their suggestions. You know, if if a couple of different people reach out to you and say, hey, have you ever considered making this thing? Maybe it's time to try it. And there's some awesome examples of that happening in this episode with Jacinta, as well as much, much more about the development of her business and what makes it unique. Uh, She's a great example of a niche business and how you can grow that and work with it and make it a success. Before we dive in though, have you watched my free video workshop, 10 Essential Keys to Successfully Sell Handmade Products Online? It's available over on createandthrive.com and just scroll to the bottom of the screen or you can just type in createandthrive.com forward slash 10, that's 1010, and you get access to this free workshop where I outline the 10 key things that you need to get right in order to successfully sell handmade products online. These are 10 things that I have gleaned from my 10 years in handmade business and also working with thousands of other makers over the last many years, the things that work and the things that don't work. (laughs) Uh, So make sure to check it out, createandthrive.com forward slash one zero and get access to that free workshop right now. Okay, let's get started with this episode, my interview with Jacinta from Laminated Cotton Shop. Hello, Jacinta. Welcome to the show. Hi, and thanks for having me along today. It's really fun to have you, and I'm really glad you reached out to have a chat about your business. And um, can you just tell, for those listening who aren't aware of what you do, uh, what your business is all about and kind of how long you've been doing it? Okay, my business is called The Laminated Cotton Shop. Um, I've been doing it for about five years now, which just sounds a bit crazy. It doesn't feel like five years. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, it's about making reusable and washable products from laminated cotton. And this is a fabric that you can machine wash over and over, and it doesn't have sort of nasty, it doesn't have BPA, PVC, and things like mm-hmm. that in it. Um, so just eco-friendly alternatives for everyday products. I love it. I love that you have such a specific niche. How did this come about? Um, I actually needed a high chair mat um, for my son that I could wash because I thought throwing the PVC things you get from the shops in the bin all the time was wasteful. And then we had to go to the US for my husband's work for a week when my kids were little. And we went and I bought a mat over there and I got a bit angry we couldn't find the fabric back home. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I started to realise that no one was doing it here and getting the fabric was very hard here. So I just started bringing it in as a hobby and then people I don't really know very well on Facebook were commenting that they wanted (laughs) one and then I realised, okay, I have a product. So it was a (laughs) hobby. It was only meant to be a few high chair mats. That's all it was meant to be and now it's grown into... um, a bit of a product range and a niche in itself. 
That's fantastic. I, I love those sorts of stories where people are like, yeah, I just wanted to solve a problem and then suddenly everybody else wanted the result and now I have a business. <laughs> That's so true. It's like we all have the same problems. Like people, if you have a problem, there's chance out there. There's a lot of other people with the same problem that have need it solved. Exactly, exactly. And if you can be the lucky person in your particular circumstance, in your case in Australia, yeah. to solve that problem, <laughs> yes. then brilliant. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, look, and I didn't even realise how, yeah, and, and then it start, we started solving other problems, like, for example, um, shower caps for dreadlocks, like, I oh. didn't know that was a problem until someone reached out, the fabric is very strong, it's mm-hmm. washable, um, plastic doesn't do the job, and it's very important to keep dreads dry in between washes, which I didn't know until mm. someone reached out to me, and now we actually supply dreadlockists around Australia, <laughs> shower caps so that's wow. amazing and it's just a niche and just so and would never have realized that that was a market and just so happy to have found something that's helping people I love that I love that you said someone mentioned it like this is a perfect example of listening to your customers right mm-hmm. of course yes so sometimes we just kind of gloss over that you know the the messages on Instagram or Facebook or whatever uh, might not pay too much attention, but there can be some real gold in those in those messages and feedback, and potentially a whole new product line, as you discovered. For sure. I mean, another example of that are the toothbrush holder bags. That was a request that came up. Um, plastic containers break, go into landfill. They're hard to clean. Yes. We started making a bag you could wash in the machine, and yeah, lo and behold, it's now one of our regular products that sounds very useful actually <laughs> like, i hate those plastic they like get all gunk in them and they get gross and, yep yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a customer that came up with that customer came up with the snack bags to fit wraps um we were just making regular sizes so and again you know um my rule of thumb is once um three paying customers who you don't know directly are happy to buy it you know okay listed on the website this is this is going to be a product that will work I love that. That's fantastic. So what else have you learned from your customers over the years? Is there anything in particular that comes to mind? Oh my God, so much. <laughs> I think This is why I think um, people ask me, why don't you scale back on the markets? And for me, um, look, I like doing markets. I get away for the kid, from the kids for a day. But also um, I, talking directly with customers keeps you in touch with your target market and also I end up getting feedback because people have no filter when they go to a market, I think. So you get, it's actually, it's gold. It's, it can be, as long as you can get past it not offending you, yeah. you can actually pick up some real gold there. So um, in terms of colours that work, um, in terms of how well the product's doing, um, and people coming back going, oh, take bring their friend and say, this is the good smock or this is the good apron mm-hmm. after they've walked around the market. So, <laughs> You know how you compare to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, look, each as my business grows, each year there's been different takeaways from customers that have been quite valuable. So the most recent has been how my online presence um, affects my offline transactions. Okay. So I've had customers walk up to the stall because I usually have to explain the fabric. Yeah. I've had customers walk up to the stall, pick up something and, and buy it. I say, look, do you, do you need me to explain or do you want me to show you the fabric? And they say, no, I saw this on Instagram. This is the one I want. <laughs> Great. 
gold, the Instagram must be working. And so then I look back to the post at where I've done that and I have a look, okay, well, what time did I do it? How did I do it? And sort of use that information also to know that, oh, yes, you know, people liked it. No one clicked on the shop now button, but they actually did come and find me. So they've seen another post about what market I'm at and followed that along. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, really starting to realise how what I do online relates back to what I'm doing in person. Okay, so let's talk a bit about that whole structure. You've got obviously an online store, you do yes. markets, mm-hmm. and do you sell wholesale as well? Or you just mentioned you sold to Dreadlock. Uh, look, I do it. Uh, it's <clears throat> I do it on a case by case basis. Right. Become now. This is where it comes back to what you do in all your different channels needs to relate back to your overall business strategy Mm -hmm. Um, within that strategy to sell direct to customers is what I would prefer to do Mm -hmm. Um, but in some cases there are products that I just can't reach that customer and so the dreadlocks is a perfect example I don't have dreadlocks and I don't look like someone that a person looking to get information about dreadlock Mm -hmm. care would talk to so I don't expect someone with dreadlocks to trust me Mm. but I do expect them to trust their hairdresser so that is a person who should be selling that product not me Oh man, I love that. That is so interesting. <laughs> idea. Yeah, yeah. This idea that some of your, yeah, that if you're not the person they might come to to solve that problem, you get the product into the hands of the people who they do go to. Yes, because n- not, not everyone's going to like you, but they might mm. like your product. And so in mm. that case, it's, it's don't flog it in. Or don't try to push something you know you can't be seen as um, the person they want to go to. Yeah. Okay. So how many markets would you say you do generally? Like is it a weekly thing, every so often? Uh, throughout the year, look, mm-hmm. well, this, this has been a bit of an anomaly this year. <laughs> I was, I, when I started off, I mainly did markets. So that was probably about five years ago for the first couple of years. I probably did a few, um, a few a month. Last, this year, I've brought on a staff member. Mm-hmm. And so I guess in terms of cash flow and just being a little bit anxious about how that was going to work, I've taken on extra markets that I probably didn't, wouldn't have normally done to right. just just to ensure that cash flow was there. Um, and so at the moment I'm doing one or two a week in the lead up to Christmas. So that's been November okay. and mm-hmm. into December. After this week it'll stop. And then I'll probably, now that I sort of know where things have been for a year with the staff member, I'll probably go back to doing one or two a month. Okay. That sounds pretty good. So it's it's regular enough that you're getting that, as you said, that cash flow and that interaction with the customers. Yes. But not like every single weekend necessarily. Yeah, and the the other thing, and like you said, what you come back to, what have I learnt from my customers? Mm. Another thing that has come up, and you guys talked about it in the Business of Making podcast recently, mm-hmm. in terms of um, are you someone that has repeat customers or are you someone that has just, you know, a one-time, like you said, with your own business yeah. and the wedding bands, you only have like a, a one-time because it's that one special purchase someone makes. Exactly. Um, what I'm finding is with the markets I've got, a strategy that I'm going to different areas quite mm-hmm. often instead of the same market because the strategy I've got there with the markets is to try and get customer acquisition so that that's how I get people to touch and see the product, mm-hmm. um, which can be quite expensive to get done online. Right. Okay, this is really interesting. So uh, where are you based? Just I'm, I'm in Kilo East in Melbourne. So I'm okay. actually... 
I'm not too far from the airport. So right. So I, Melbourne, it, lots yeah. of markets. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's more to believe it or not. It's your regional areas that actually um, yeah. seem to be better because I, I think if you head into a city market, sometimes you get a bit of a cynical audience. Like right. it's it's still good, still yeah. good. Um, but I do find I need to mix it up a bit. That's really interesting. So getting out to kind of the regional towns and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And I, okay, so let's talk a bit more about this um, kind of relationship between the market and online. Do you find that you get people finding you at the markets and then buying from you, like becoming regular customers online? Is that kind of what you're aiming for? Yes, that's what I'm after. And this year I've started to understand that relationship a bit more. So, yes, I'm after. um, And this is where it comes back to the theory that I'm happy to go spend that day at the market because, you know, at markets you you sell, but you probably aren't getting paid for your time. Yeah. But I'm happy to spend that time and that effort because if it's going to acquire me out of the 50 people I meet that day, I might meet five who become fierce online repeat customers Mm -hmm. and that's been well worth it for those five because they'll have an ongoing lifetime value for the business that's yeah that's fantastic and everybody listening you know this strategy may or may not work for your business like it's going to be different for everybody it's again for me doing kind of the the wedding rings Uh, although at this time of year i'm selling mostly earrings and necklaces because people are buying presents. yes definitely (laughs) That's always interesting, the the fluctuation in in what sells throughout the year does change as well. Yes. Um, So if you do have a business like Jacinta's where you have a product line and you also have a whole lot of different stuff that people are going to probably come back and buy more and more of, then this sort of strategy is gold because it's, you know, it's not just relying on the online churn of trying to find new people, you know, via social media or or whatever other method. Mm -hmm. Um, although I think people struggle to think of any other methods these days, it seems to be pretty much SEO and social media, really. Agree. Um, unless you want to fork out money, but we don't have money to fork out money. No, to no, <laughs> on stuff we don't think is going to, we don't know is going to work. Yeah. So it's a really good strategy. I mean, I did the same the first few years of my business. I was doing markets. Yes. Like how else do I, how else do I get people to know about my product? Right. I have to get exactly. it to the world and, and let them know about it. So you're saying that, you know, in the long term, mm-hmm. would you like to scale back on the markets and just kind of focus on the online? I would, but the way it's going is it's become, I initially thought I would drop off markets and be able to push the online. But as things go, it's starting to, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm starting to notice is it's getting more and more expensive to advertise on social media platforms. Mm. So if I want to go and do a Facebook ad and I want to do customer acquisition as a strategy, to get someone, to get Facebook to find me that person is going to cost me X dollars per um, conversion. When you add that up, it's actually, I think it's cheaper to go into a market, to be honest. Mm. So that's why I'm, I'm sort of changing on that viewpoint. Yeah. Um, I think it might be the fact that small businesses can pay, or micro businesses, mm. in case, because we're all makers and we're small. Um, one strength we do have is we can get into those creative handmade markets. Um, and that might be a place we can reach customers that, you know, is more effective than trying to advertise online. Um, Traffic. um, The other thing I've noticed is I sell shower caps as I do quite well with those. Mm -hmm. But to SEO, to get found under the term shower cap, (laughs) that's going to cost money. So, and again, 
again, if someone has that cap and goes and tells their friends, buy this cap, this is the best one I've ever used, that is money well spent going to that market. Yeah, so I love what you're saying here. And I think you're right. I think, you know, uh, especially the big social media, Facebook and Instagram, which is obviously owned by Facebook. So it's really one yes. company. Yep. Uh, it's They're making it harder and harder to stuff to get seen for free. And it's going to become more and more expensive yes. to advertise because there's more and more people vying for that, uh, yep. you know, spending that money and vying for those eyeballs. So yep you know, thinking outside of that box and, and, and using, going back to the old fashioned strategy of just going and doing money wow. to bring yeah. people in is not a bad thing. It's actually a really smart business move. And I know there are a lot of makers who religiously do markets because of that. Um, you know, and I know there are, you know, people who kind of wish and hope that they could completely move away from markets. I mean, I haven't yes. done a market in like oh, yeah. seven years or something, but that's, you know, I built up a, I spent the time to build up, I guess, a customer base and kind of yep. figured out ways to get people to my products because most of my customers are actually international. So mm -hmm. getting people via like SEO and, and Pinterest and other things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's about working out the strategy that, that's going to work for yeah. you. Exactly. If what what works for your product and your customer. So, and that, and I'm sort of trying to pitch my item as more of an everyday necessity. Um, so, something that you would need to look for. And the downfall of that is getting the SEO or getting keyword vision or getting seen on keyword results for those items is hard. Yeah, it is. And I think it's you know unless you have a and you do have quite a a unique product, especially within Australia. Mm. Uh, but obviously you're not just competing with Australian businesses, you're competing with international businesses when people go online and search yes. those items. Yep. Um, and even if you have a really unique item, you know, there's always going to be competition, I guess. Yes. Figuring out the best way to be competitive in that environment. Yes. So what would you say has been one of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome in your business journey so far? Um, understanding what things I should do myself and what things I should get done. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think um, ex-accountant in me doesn't want to pay anyone anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, do, you, but, do you get uh, someone else to do your bookkeeping? No, no. <laughs> I, um, the, my husband's an accountant, so between the two of us, it gets done. Mind you, yeah. it's not as updated as it should be. So I, I don't want to be a hypocrite on here because there's a lot of people <laughs> saying that in theory sound all good and then in practice sometimes I forget to do. Yep. Um, yeah, and look, one of the biggest things I did recently was getting the website up. Um, it took me five years to have my own proper WordPress site. So. <laughs> So, but there, but in doing that, I've understand where I had enough customer data from my Etsy and my eBay to understand what works and what doesn't work in listings. Right. So while it was, I'm late to the party. Um, I think sometimes it's good to have data from other platforms before you go and spend a lot of time on one project. Oh yeah. Start with a venue. Don't, don't start with your own website necessarily. Yeah. It's so much easier if you don't have to worry about all that backend stuff and just yep. focus on the front end, focus on your titles and your keywords and your photography, get all that stuff sorted before you worry about the rest of it. So true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, you mentioned you hired a staff member. That would yep. have been terrifying slash exciting. It is. Yeah. Nicole, she's my product assistant and um, Nicole uh, is a fashion student um, and she comes on, well, at the moment, two days a week mm -hmm. and she's helping me with production and sewing 
and cutting and sort of mainly production of products um, and then some social media and as, as she progresses, so I've had her for about a year now, as she progresses, we just add other functions of the business into her role so she can yep. keep buried and learn more things. That's fantastic. I think that's, if you can find someone who you can do that with, I think that's incredibly useful because yes. not only, especially, you know, you've got a student, not only are they helping you, you're helping them. Yes. Because yes. if she wants to run her own business in future, then she's going to have the foundation to do that. Yep, and she's seeing right here what works and what doesn't or some of the emails that come through. So she's, <laughs> she's well prepped <laughs> for the yeah. things to expect. <laughs> I think that's a fantastic choice for anyone. Like if you're looking for someone to come and help you, if you can get a, a young person or a student so that you can teach them and, and give them a leg up and help them with, you know, their own entrepreneurial dreams, I think that's a really fantastic thing. Yeah. And I mean, look, otherwise, a lot of jobs out there at entry level are not, they should just be entering data somewhere or um, mm. being a retail assistant, which is nothing wrong with that. But um, in terms of um, seeing the back end of a business, that's not that many opportunities to do that um, straight from school. No, definitely not. So let's talk a bit about the bigger picture for a minute here. I'm always fascinated yeah. by this. How, because this is a question I get so often in the Thriver Circle and so often just in general on social media. You know, I've got kids, I've got, <laughs> I've got yeah. other, other stuff happening with my life. Where do I find the time to run my business? So how does that all work in your life? <laughs> so that's a very good question. Um, not, not as well as it should, but... Is it what, for anyone, really? <laughs> no, look, I've got theories. I have theories and I have plans that I try to implement and sometimes they go off the rails and then you focus again and start again. So the, in theory, the idea is to work within school hours and then I work sort of once the kids are in bed for a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, having someone with me makes me focus that whole day on getting things done. So what, what the best way it works is to do a plan at the start of the week, mm -hmm. what days you're going to work, what needs to be done by the end of that week and just break it up into smaller tasks that you're going to do on each day to get to the end of the week. And just mm -hmm. even if you just have a list of, you know, three or four things that need to be done by Friday, as long as you reach those, you're never going to – and you would be the same. You've got a to-do list that never ends. Oh, yeah. There's never. no – yeah, there's no – you're never going to tip it off, I think, as I've heard on one of your podcasts. Yeah. I've heard – yeah, you guys have talked about that. It's never going to be um, a clean slate. It's impossible. No, but then that's part of the chaos and fun of it, I yeah, think. I think so too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, as long as you have some main things you want to do by the week and, look, sometimes the dishes take – a few hours to get done sometimes things slide around here around come Christmas time but then you pick it up again so you just sort of you do what you can um with what you've got I think yeah. yeah and I think I think a mistake a lot of people make is over over estimating what they can get done in mm, that time no, like yes. in a week like going, I'm going to do all of these things and then they get to the end and they've done like maybe a third of them and then they beat themselves yeah. up thinking oh I'm a failure I'm no good you just need to lower your expectations of so what's true. possible. So true. And I was hearing the other day, because I've been listening to podcasts on the way to different markets. So now I've... <laughs> and one of the comments, I honestly can't remember where I heard this, but these are not my words. This is from somewhere else. It was saying that it's surprising what isn't urgent. A lot of things we think are urgent are not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just, you know, really just, you know, if you're beating yourself up about things, just um, stop and think, really, is this urgent? And most often it's not. 
Yeah, absolutely. I comes. Um, are you familiar with the old urgent and important matrix? Oh, I think I may originally. Oh, some of this stuff comes back from the old marketing one hundred and one at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the four um, quadrants of yeah. urgent, not urgent, important, not important, and we often spend a lot of time on the non-urgent, non-important, busy work. Yes. And we spend a lot of time in the urgent but not important segment. I hate that bit. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know exactly. That's that's like US customers asking where their order is two yes. days after you've sent it. Yes. I yes. spend a lot of time sending those emails explaining how far, yeah, in a we nice are, way. Look, we are course. far away. It takes time. We're a bit far, yeah. yeah. And they're usually fine. As long as, you know, I always promise, you know, uh, the biggest thing that I've learned from that is always promising if it hasn't turned up and you don't get it and the tracking's lost, which it can't because it's fully tracked all yeah. the way, you're eligible for a refund or a full replacement. Right. And they're happy with that. And yeah. it never goes missing anyway. So That's good. Yeah. Yeah, Yay, tracking. Um, but the most important one is the important but not urgent quadrant, which yeah. is the one we neglect. Yep. These long-term or deep work stuff that would really move our business forward, but it's not urgent it's not in our face it's not yelling at us to get it done and so mm-hmm. it just lingers and lingers and lingers mm-hmm. so you know we spend a lot we i think we we all get distracted by those urgent but not important stuff and then you get to the end of the day and go what did i actually achieve today so true so true <laughs> and uh, do you have any tips like best ways i'd be interested to hear your feedback on this um best ways to tackle those urgent sorry not urgent but important tasks. So the only thing I'm sort of um, looking at doing in January is we'll do a big sort of spreadsheet or uh, sort of write out month by month what little tasks we're going to do each month to work towards those non-urgent but important big picture tasks. Yes. Well, a few things. One, um, I do teach a system called the Top 3 Priorities Method uh, in the Thriver Circle, which starts the year off with you, you pick three big priorities or goals for the year oh, wow. break, yeah. it down, break it down break it down by three months one month you know weeks and so on awesome. uh, so that's one system that i'll be talking about um oh, when's this episode going to be going out i don't know i might have already done it but there's the handmade biz boot camp that i run every january and i take you through that system but the right. biggest thing that works for me going forwards like on a regular basis is mm-hmm. days where i i actually dedicate a day and i go away from the house so because I work at home normally, yep. I actually take my laptop and I go somewhere else and I dedicate that whole day to working on those important oh, jobs. That's I awesome. Don't, I don't deal with email. I don't look at my social media on that day. I'm like yep. I have a list of things, you know, big projects or whatever or planning that I want to mm-hmm. do. Because mm-hmm. planning is one of those things that can fall through the cracks if you're busy getting caught in the urgent stuff. So that's yes. the day. And I try to do that. Well, I do do that at least once a month. If you can do it more often, great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Just, yeah. So it's that, um, it's that day away. You you go and you, you know, I, I try to make it nice too. Like I'll go take myself out for breakfast beforehand and then at a nice cafe and oh. then I'll go to either a library or a co-working space or, you know, whatever works oh, for you. I like the sound of that. I think and, a lot of, yeah. yeah. All right. Because a few councils do offer those co-working spaces these days as well yeah that, and uh, even libraries have beautiful like usually have a really nice area to work in with a laptop you just chuck your fantastic. headphones in listen to a, some music that just 
doesn't distract you but keeps your ears busy so they don't get distracted by the noise around you. For me, yeah. that works. You know, like some people enjoy that noise, but I, I find it really distracting. So, yeah, yeah that's, it's, a really, it's a really effective way of getting those deeper, uh, that deeper work yes. done that you might not be getting done. That's a great idea. I'm going to take that on. Thank you for that. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm sure I've talked about this in previous podcasts. Yeah. If I have, I'll have to dig it out. And I'll refer to it in the show notes, everyone. So go look at the show notes and I'll have listed there any other podcasts that I've mentioned this sort of stuff in. Because I know they exist. I just can't remember what yes. number they are. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Because you <laughs> so much stuff out there. Yeah. yeah, that's it. A couple of years worth. A couple of years. All right. So... Um, how are you doing for time? Like, good. All right. So are there things like, so you've obviously, you're obviously aware of what's happening with your customers. You're listening to them. You're taking on their feedback. You're creating new designs and that's going really well. Are there things that you really want to achieve in say the next five years or so, like big goals or dreams or new directions or anything exciting that you'd like to share? Um, in terms of um, big goals, I'd like to just achieve a bigger scale of business. Like I think that the, um, in terms of reaching enough customers to increase sales is probably where I'd like to go. But I think we all want to increase sales. It doesn't matter oh, yeah. where you are. You always want to grow it further. <laughs> um, while the kids are at prime, and this comes back to balancing it in with your life. Yeah, like, we kind of got sidetracked from that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, my mind jumps to all over the place. <laughs> um, while my kids are at primary school, I think that this is a good uh, income while they're at school. So this is um, easy for me to run at home. I've got all the other arms. I get out of the house with the markets and now these planning days, which I'll implement. Um, <laughs> so it, where, the way I'm tracking suits my lifestyle until the kids are in high school. And then so thinking beyond that, probably be able to commit more time. And that's when maybe we'd start look at maybe can we take on a business loan to be able to source more product mm -hmm. or source in terms of more fabrics or can we, you know, spend some more money on advertising or spend some money in places without always having to, I guess, look over your shoulder each week that you're balancing, you're still paying yourself some money, you're paying off your bills, you're paying an employee, you know, can we free up some of that tightness? Mm -hmm. um, that's there and that that I wouldn't be happy to look at loans or anything like that until I could commit to working full-time because that's a little bit scary yes definitely yeah. um so you do you have another job as well as no this no, is no. it this yeah, is yeah. it this and the kids so this is my full-time well part-time to full-time gig the reason yeah. I say part-time is if mm -hmm. something happens with the kids or I get a call I'm in a position where I can drop it yeah. um, because the, you know, it's fully owned by me. I have the raw materials. I have the patterns. It's mine. If something happens for a week and we can't work, the world doesn't fall apart. Mm. Um, I think when you start taking on financing or you try to, um, you know, take on, let someone work part-time instead of casual things like that, suddenly if something happens for a week and you can't work, that has other implications. Mm. So at the moment, it is, it, you know, I've got a lot of flexibility in the job, which comes at a cost in that you aren't probably putting in enough to marketing and things like that, but you're better to be, sometimes it's better to be smaller. Mm -hmm. I totally sense. agree. That, well, yeah. absolutely. That's actually how I run my own business. So, yep. you know, it's a deliberate choice over the years you know, why don't you hire someone to, to make jewellery for you? Why don't you do that? I'm like, because yes, yes, Nick yep. and I like to shut the shop for six months 
at six months for six weeks and go overseas. And if I had an employee, yeah, yep. I wouldn't be able to do that because I, they'd be relying on me. Uh, and yeah. I'm too much of a control freak to let someone else make and ship my stuff without me quality control. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, so, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I hear you there. So, it's, yeah. It's, so, I think it's, it's always that balance, is it? Yeah. What size should you be? Because bigger isn't better. I think I went to some talk and the the main keynote speaker was saying bigger isn't better. I'm like, yeah, you're right there. So, yeah, mm. yeah it's, it's about finding the size that works for you and the lifestyle you want to have and the yeah. lifestyle you do have. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, so what would you say has been one of the most exciting moments of your business journey? Oh, the very exciting bit was with the very start when I realized I had a product that people that didn't know me that had <laughs> no incentive to tell me it was good and that, you know, it had no interest in me personally, were happy to buy the mats and the product and told me this is a fantastic idea, I love it. That coming from people I don't even know at markets was the absolute ego boot. Like that was the the best feeling. And I realised, okay, I've got something here because um, they had no other agenda to tell me it was something they wanted to buy and that just really confirmed that this was the way to go. I love that. That's just that I that sort of... I felt the same way when I got my very first sale. The idea that, oh, some, random, that some random person <laughs> on the internet liked my thing that I made enough to give me actual money for it. Exactly. And it's real and it cleared. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty real, really. If, especially if you've never been in business before or, you know, sold products before, which I hadn't. Yep. Yeah, it's a really amazing feeling. And I still think that every so often I sort of stop and think, hang on, like, Thousands of people around the world, <laughs> you know, have, have bought my jewellery and, or, you know, taken my courses or whatever. And it's quite humbling really to think that, you know, you've Definitely. created something that's making somebody's life better in some small way. And you've made it. That's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally agree with that. Yeah. So, so yeah. before we wrap up, um, I'd like to know, do you have a quote to share with us today? I have it sitting right next to me on my um, desk. So I think that's an easy, easy <laughs> win. Uh, never, never, never give up. I bought a card <laughs> from Typo. Yes. And it's like you have a you have a crap day. You have a day no one likes what you're doing. <laughs> you might have a day where you don't have a sale. Instead, you get a refund because yeah. someone's changed their mind. Um, you go, never, never give up. You, you just, yeah, you just keep going. We all get crappy days. We all have Oh, time. yeah. You all have um, time to go, I'm crazy. What am I doing? Just, just keep at it. So that's that's all I can say. And as long as it's not continuing to the detriment of you, or you're actively, you know, mm. there are times where things just don't work, um, and that is, you might make a product and you love it, but you don't think other people do. Then that that's time to stop doing that product. But um, in terms of every, you know, business, everyday life, just keep going and don't give up. I love it. I think, I think it comes down to never, never, never give up on yourself. Yes. Like if yes. you believe you are capable of this thing, yep. keep trying and keep experimenting with it until you find what the thing that works. I mean, okay, little story time. When I was about 15, we got the internet. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and I absolutely fell in love with the internet. I fell in love with making websites and I fell in love with this whole world at my fingertips of people that I could, you know, learn from. And a part of me honestly thought to myself, how can I somehow make a living from the internet? Oh, wow. You know, when I was that age and I was, and it was still, it was like a total 
pipe dream. Like I, I went to, you know, I still went, finished high school, went to uni, had other plans for my life. But in the back of my head, I was always like, is there a way? <laughs> is there a way I can do this thing I love, you know, making websites and spending time online and actually make a living out of it. And I tried lots of things over the years. Like I um, had, I ran multiple different blogs and websites before uh, the jewelry business came along and I yep. uh, made designs and sold them on t-shirts on cafe press and all these different, I've probably never talked about this stuff before, but all of these different, you know, ideas of how you can make money via the internet. This was before PayPal, some of it, you know, oh my way back in the yep. day when you had to take credit cards. For, and I never really hit on the thing. Um, I did, I worked as an editor for an online company for a while as a part-time yep. job. This is back in like 2001 or something. Oh, well, early adopter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Early>. <laughs> a lot of this stuff was about that time, yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, when I was 15, that was like 20, 1996, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... But somehow I just kept playing with it. I just kept playing because I loved it and I just kept trying new things. And suddenly, eventually, this thing just worked. And here I am 10 years later, (laughs) you know. So don't give up on those dreams. If you have those dreams, just keep trying new things until you find the thing that works. Awesome. Just keep opening those doors until you find the one that works for you. Yeah, that's fantastic. Absolutely. So there you go. Thank you so much, Jacinta. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank um, you. <laughs> I love, I love your your energy and your enthusiasm for your business, and you know, you obviously have a good idea of what is happening, and I can see that things are going to go up and up for you. Oh, going. I hope so. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. I think everyone around me is sick of being earbashed about business, so I think she might be happy to listen. So. Anytime. Very happy to listen. So where, where can people find your beautiful things online? Okay, at laminatedcottonshop.com. And if you Google laminated cotton shop, I should be all of the listings that pop up, I'm hoping. <laughs> and if I'm not, tell me. But, but so. That's just type in laminated cotton shop and you can have a look. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for spending your time with us today and sharing your story. Thank you very much. Huge thanks to Jacinta for coming on the show and sharing her story with us today. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, it would be amazing if you would take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories and make sure to tag me at create and thrive. I love to see uh, these little posts come up from my listeners. I love to hear what you're thinking about the show and I love sharing them on my stories as well. So other people can hear your thoughts on the show or this episode. So please do share a little snippet on your stories. Tag me at create and thrive so I can come over and say hi. And that's it for another week of the Create and Thrive podcast. I am going to be no doubt enjoying myself in Hawaii right about now as you listen to this. And yeah, over on Instagram at Create and Thrive is where I'm sharing my behind the scenes of my trip around Hawaii and Canada, my six week journey. So come on over and uh, see what I'm up to and say hello. And if you have any tips, come and share them with me as well. If you know the area well, Uh, and you have some suggestions of things I need to check out, come and let me know. I'd love to hear a local's perspective. I'll be back again next week with another episode of the show and goodbye for now.